That's great to us. God's love for us. I don't know if you got to church yesterday, but we're bringing some church to the streets of Edinburgh this morning. Just reminding people that there's a God in heaven that loves them, that sent his son Jesus Christ to die on the cross for their sin. The sunshine's wonderful, especially here in Scotland, but there's something greater than that. That's the love of God. The fact today that no matter who somebody is, no matter what they've done against God, yet there's a creator designer that made them, that has a purpose for their life, that has a desire for them to know him in a personal way. You know, I love that verse in the Bible, John 3, 16. It says, For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten Son, that whosoever believeth in him should not perish, but have everlasting life. It's awesome, again, just to stop and think about that statement for God. You know, praise God, it's not just us today. I'm so thankful today that there's somebody that's in control. As we look at the world spiraling out of control, we've got wars and rumors of wars. We've got earthquakes. We've got other things that are tragedies in life, financial crises and things like that. But I praise God today that there's somebody that's over that. His name is God. He is Jehovah. He is the great I am. He is the one that made us. He designed us. He has a purpose. He is in charge. He is in control. He is having his way despite what men are trying to do in getting rid of his word. We praise God today that there is a book that is a book of all books, the Bible. Sometimes people say to me, Ben, why do you believe the Bible is a divine book? Well, this book has been translated into more languages than any other book. It has outsold every book every year. It's been accepted by mankind as the Word of God. It has in it prophecy that speaks ahead of time about what's going to take place. You read book, the book of Revelation, read about Israel being back in the land. What do we find? Since the 1940s, I believe it was, Israel is back in the land, just like the Word of God said. You know, things like that ought to make us stop, look, and listen and say, there's a God in heaven that's having his way, and he will have his way. In the book of Romans, it says that a society that turns its back in God is going to have one sin that is predominant in that culture, and that is a sexual immorality of men with men, women with women. It says that in the book of Romans. It said it 2,000 years ago. What do we find in Scotland that that sin is the primary sin that is being put about into our society and declared by our society and vindicated by our society? I don't say that shock us this morning. I say that to, just to stop looking, listen, and say, you know, God's Word said that in the book of Romans 2,000 years before it, it takes place. It ought to give us pause and say, you know what? That is significant. People that reject God take God's name in vain. They say, oh my God. They say Jesus Christ. They say these different things. You know, one of the Ten Commandments is, thou shalt not take the name of the Lord thy God in vain, for he will not hold him guiltless that taketh his name in vain. Interestingly today, whether somebody's an atheist, they don't believe in God or anything like that, what do they do? They take the name of God and they use it vainly. They don't say, oh Muhammad, oh Harry Krishna, oh the Pope, because those people are not God. But Jesus Christ is God. And so when they take the name of God in vain, they use the name Jesus, they use the name Lord, because that is the name of God. You know, it's amazing today to think that the Son of God, Jesus Christ, became a man. He entered into his creation, why? So that he could be a sacrifice for our sin. The Bible says there is none righteous, no, not one. It says for all have sinned and come short of the glory of God. There might be some nice people today or some kind people or some friendly people today, people that we would love, people that we would care about. But the fact is this today, no matter who somebody is, they are a sinner. We have all violated God's law. Because we have violated God's law, there's a punishment. The Bible says in Romans 6, 23, it says for the wages of sin is death. The punishment for our sin, what we deserve, what we have earned because of our transgression against God is not just physical death, but it's what the Bible speaks about in the book of Revelation when it says, I saw the dead small and great stand before God, and the books were opened, and the dead were judged out of those things 
which were written in those books according to their works. You know, you may think, no big deal, Ben. I went to the pub, I had a few drinks, I, got, I, I, I caroused, I, I cursed, I did these things, no big deal. I'll tell you this, my friend, every single sin that you've ever done in your life is being written in a book, and someday that book is going to come back to haunt you as you stand before holy God. He's going to open that book and judge you according to every transgression that you've ever done. The Bible says that every idle word that men shall speak, they shall give account thereof in the day of judgment. Everything that we say, there's a lot of profane people today in Scotland. You've got children that are profane. You've got adults that are profane. You've got elderly women even that with their lips, they mock God, they curse God, they blaspheme God. I'll tell you this, every idle word that men shall speak, they shall give account thereof in the day of judgment. Friend, are you ready to stand before God? Are you ready to give an account for your life before a holy God? A God that does not accept our sin. A God that will judge our sin. And very sadly, will judge our sin with the fires of hell. Not sad because God is unjust, but sad because men have rejected Jesus Christ, the Savior that died on the cross to save them from their sin. What's sad about hell is that they got to step over the dead body of the Lord Jesus Christ to go to that awful place with that place of justice against them for their crimes against God. Nobody today wants a criminal to get away with their crime. Nobody today that, that has been abused or has suffered at the hands of men desires that person to get away with it. I'll tell you this, nobody will get away with anything because there's a holy God that is a just God that is going to stand in judgment upon us and our sin. Again, I say to us today, friend, are you ready to stand before God? The Bible says it's appointed to men once to die, but after that, the judgment. Nobody gets to do over. Nobody gets to say, right, you know, I died. I'd like to go back and, you know, think a little bit more about God. Think a little bit more about the Bible. Maybe begin to open that book for my family and try to convince my family as to the truth of the Word of God. Someday when you die and you stand before God, it's eternally too late. You know, friend, are you ready for that day? Are you ready to give an account to a God that loves you, a God that designed you, a God that has a purpose for you, a God who desires to set you free from your sin? There's a lot of people today trying to justify their sin. They're trying to get others to pat them on the back and say their sexual sin is okay. Trying to pat them on the back and say the murder of that baby in the womb is okay. Trying to get them to pat them on the back about the profanity and the pub culture and the things that they're doing. But I'll tell you this, no matter how much we seek to justify ourselves in our sight, it does not justify us in the sight of a holy God. God still sees our sin. God's still going to judge us for our sin. He doesn't want to do that. The Bible says he's not willing that any should perish, but that all should come to repentance. God does not desire to send you to hell, but God in His justice will do that very thing unless you repent and put your faith in Jesus Christ, the Son of God that died on the cross for your sin. The Bible says, while we are yet sinners, Christ died for us. You know, for scarcely for a righteous man would one die, but God commended His love toward us in that while we are yet sinners, Christ died for us. It's amazing today somebody could be a gangbanger, they could be a, a profane person, they could be a tough person, they could be an immoral person, they could be a fornicator, they could be a homosexual, they could be a lesbian, they could have killed a baby in the womb. But I'll tell you this, there's a God in heaven that loves them. There's a God in heaven that stands ready to forgive them and to cleanse them of their sin and to give them his righteousness, which would be imputed to them, not what they deserve. The Bible says he took the handwriting of ordinances that was against us. He nailed it to his cross. That means this. Jesus Christ, when he died, he died as if he was guilty of our sin. Jesus Christ died as if he was a wicked person, but Jesus Christ was a righteous man. He that knew no sin became sin for us, that we might be made the righteousness of God in him. Jesus Christ died so that you and I could be forgiven. It's called judicial forgiveness. It's God paying for our sin by putting his son upon the cross so that he could 
take our place so that God judicially could give us a gift of everlasting life and forgiveness. It's a gift. It's not something you can earn. A lot of people say to me, to, to, can say to me, Ben, you know, I'm a good person. I do more good works and bad works. And surely someday when I stand before God, God's going to look at that and say, right, you're a pretty good person. You know, I'll tell you this. Again, the Bible says there's none righteous, no, not one. There's not anything that we could do that could merit favor with God that could take away the punishment for our sin in a lake of fire for all eternity. You might be a rich person today, but it doesn't matter. You might have great wealth, it doesn't matter. You cannot buy your soul. You cannot stand before God and offer Him anything. God owns a cattle a thousand. He owns the wealth in every mind. He is not poor. He is rich, my friend. There's nothing that you could offer to Him that could take the place of His Son, Jesus Christ, who died on the cross for our sin. The priceless payment that was made is that of a father sacrificing his son on a cross because of our iniquity. Jesus Christ had to come. Jesus Christ had to die. Why? Because of our sin. Why? Because hell is real. You might ask today, Ben, I don't, I don't believe in the God that would send people to hell. I just say to you, my friend, do you believe in the God that would take his son, his only son, Jesus Christ, and put him on a cross and abuse his son because he loves this ungodly world so much. He loves you so much. He loves me so much that he would take his son and put him on a cross so that he could die and pay the price for your sin so that you could have the mercy of God, so that you could have the forgiveness of God. A lot of people say, again, I don't believe in hell. Well, I'll tell you this, my friend, sin will be judged just like it was at the cross. Just like it was as the Son of God died for our sin. Just like it was when the Bible speaks about 600 years before it took place. And it says he was wounded for our transgressions. He was bruised for our iniquities. The chastisement of our peace is upon him. And with his stripes we are healed. Jesus Christ did the eternal work there on the cross. He suffered. He bled. He died. Why? So that again, you and I could be forgiven. I don't understand that kind of love today. I think you'd be pretty amazed if I take my son and sacrifice my son so that you could live. If you needed a transplant, a heart transplant, or something like that, and I took my child my, that I love and I sacrificed that child for you, that's unusual love. That's what God did. God took his son, Jesus Christ, put him on the cross for us. He died so that we could live. We were, uh, we had a fatal illness that we have because of our sin. And it was going to take us to hell. But Jesus Christ loved us so much. God the Father loved us so much that he sacrificed his life on the cross for our sin. Oh, friend, do you know anything about God today? I, I can praise God today that I can tell you, I know beyond a shadow of a doubt, if I die, I go to heaven. It's not because I'm a good person. It's not because I'm a preacher. It's not because I care about people. I try to help people. It is because of this. I have received Jesus Christ as my Lord and Savior. I took his gift of everlasting life. I repented of my sin. I turned away from that which was taking me to hell. And I turned to him for his salvation. Friend, have you ever done that? Has there ever been a time in your life where you looked at your life and say, my life is empty. It's all about work. So what? It's all about sports. So what? It's all about the puff. So what? Those things are empty. They do not satisfy. They do not meet the need that's in our soul. There's one thing that meets the need that's in our soul. And that is Jesus Christ and Christ alone. He's called the water of life. He drink of Jesus Christ and never thirst again. Has there ever been a time in your life, friend, when you looked at the loving God who sent his son to die for you, and you looked at him maybe with tears and said, I don't understand, God, why you love me so much. I don't understand why your son, Jesus Christ, died on the cross for my sin, but I receive him just now as my Savior. Friend, that's the way of salvation. The Bible says in Romans 10, 9 and 10, that if thou shalt confess with thy mouth the Lord Jesus, and shalt believe in thy heart that God hath raised him from the dead, thou shalt be saved. 
The God that said that those words, thou shalt be saved, is a God that cannot lie. Is a God that changes not. Is a God that's absolutely holy and perfect in everything that he's ever said, everything that he's ever done. The God that has promised everlasting life in Christ is a God that will give it if you'll put your faith in him. You might say that they, to me, Ben, I don't have a lot of faith. Well, I just say to you, the word of God says, faith comes by hearing and hearing by the word of God. I'd encourage you to pick up a Bible, begin to read it, get in the book of John. That book, the Bible says at the end of that book, but these are written that you might believe that Jesus is the Christ, the Messiah, and that believing you might have life through his name. There is life today, friend. There's a fresh start. There's a new beginning. It's, it's called getting saved. It's called being born again. It's called repenting and putting your trust in Jesus Christ. God offers it. You might have a life to look at and say, Ben, I just want to start over. I'll tell you, you can start over. The Bible says, if any man be in Christ, he's a new creature. Old things are passed away. The old, old things are become new. There's a wonderful, fresh beginning for somebody that will look at God and what God did as his son, Jesus Christ, died on the cross for his sin, that would repent of their sin and put their faith in the Son of God. You can have a fresh start. You can have a new beginning. There's people passing this place today. I'll put it there. Nobody else knows about it, but they're contemplating suicide. The instrument of death may already be in their house. It may already be there. And they're thinking about using that instrument of death. I'll tell that person today, there is hope because there is God. There is hope because there is the blood of the Lord Jesus Christ. There is hope because there is forgiveness. There is hope because there is a God that works on the inside, not just the outside. And a lot of people today, they try to reform their life. And I'm not saying that's bad. It's a good thing today if you can get victory over alcohol, victory over drugs, victory over profanity, victory over immorality and things like that. But I'll tell you this, what we need is an internal change. What we need is a God of heaven to cleanse us from the inside out. The Bible says we can't do it of ourselves. Though thou wash thee with nitre and take thee much soap, get thine iniquity is marked before me, saith the Lord. Somebody can clean up the outside, but I'll tell you this, they can't clean up the inside. There's only one person that has the power to cleanse us from the inside out, and that is God through the blood of the Lord Jesus Christ. The Bible says without the shedding of blood, there's no forgiveness of sin. The life is in the blood. The life has to be given for sin to be forgiven. The Bible says that death passed upon all men for that all have sinned. It says for the wages of sin is death. But there's a person that loved us so much that he took that price for us on the cross. Jesus Christ died so that we could live. Jesus Christ died so that we could be forgiven. Jesus died so that you and I can look at the cross, understand that there's a God in heaven that loves us, understand that there's forgiveness in Christ and be what the Bible calls born again. Jesus said it this way, except the man be born again, he will no wise enter the kingdom of heaven. He said you must be born again. He did not say you must be religious, you must be Christian, you must be baptized, you must reform your life or anything like that. But what he did say is you got to have the new life in Christ. How do you get it? You get it by faith in the Son of God, Jesus Christ, that loved you so much that he died on the cross for you. Yes, outside that old city of Jerusalem, Jesus Christ died. He didn't just die uh, just a physical death. He died kind of, as you could say, a spiritual death. As he took the sin of this world upon him, Jesus Christ suffered and physically died. But Jesus Christ also bore our sins upon that cross. God the Father looked at his son as he died on that day. And the Bible says that God was satisfied with the death of his son, that he accepted his sacrifice in our place so that you and I could have God's forgiveness. Again, how do we get that? We get that by faith. We get that by believing on Jesus Christ, what he did as he died on the cross for us. I just say to you today, my friend, 
look and live. You've been bitten by the serpent of sin. That sin will take you to an eternity of hell and away from God. But Jesus Christ loved you. He died for you. He paid the price so that you could be forgiven. People might say to me today, Ben, what's the worst thing about hell? I'll tell you this, I believe the worst thing about hell is that God is not there. Today, everybody has the blessing of God. The sun shines on the just and the unjust. The rain falls on the just and the unjust. Every single one of us has the blessing of God in life. Nobody here is God forsaken. Nobody here is where God cannot help them. But I'll tell you this, when somebody dies and goes to hell, they are forever separated from God. I would say that is the worst thing about hell. He said to me, then, what's the second worst thing about hell? Well, I think it's pretty bad that it's a fire. It's a fire. People can laugh about it, they can mock it, but nobody makes fun of somebody whose car catches on fire and they stand outside and they watch that person burn in those flames. Nobody laughs at a fire like that. And I'll tell you, that's what hell is. And anybody that mocks hell is mocking the people that are in hell today. People that are consigned there for all eternity. People that are there with begs their family and relatives to get saved and to repent. Anybody that laughs about the idea of hell is laughing at the people that are in hell today. What's the worst thing about hell? God is not there. Second worst thing is the fire. Third worst thing I say about hell, it's eternal. It's eternal. Again, nobody gets a do-over. Nobody gets to come back from that place. It's important to man once to die, but after that, the judgment. Friend, are you ready for that day? You know, the last thing in the heart of God today is for anybody to die for eternity in the lake of fire. The Bible says that he is not willing that any should perish, but that all should come to repentance. That means that every single person passing this place, the desire, number one desire on the heart of God is that you repent of your sin and put your faith in Jesus Christ for salvation. Again, how does somebody get saved? The Bible says it very plainly in Romans chapter 10, verses 9 and 10, that thou shalt confess with thy mouth the Lord Jesus and shalt believe in thy heart that God hath raised him from the dead. Thou shalt be saved. It's a guarantee that God gave friends you can put your eternity on it. A lot of people today are basing their eternity on a theory that says explosions make things. I would say to anybody like that, look, I've got an idea for you. Take your life savings and give it to somebody that's going to start a computer company by putting all the components in a room and blowing them up and make an incredible supercomputer. Friend, nobody would do that because that would be absolute folly. But I'll tell you this, there are people today on their way to hell because they believe a theory that explosions make things. Friend, every time an explosion takes place, it blows things apart. It does not make things that are incredibly complex, incredibly amazing, and beside that, things that are alive. If you believe evolution today, I've got one question for you, and that is where does life come from? Where does life come from? Life comes from God. The Bible says in Genesis 1-1, in the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. Oh, praise God today, friends. You're not the accident of some freak uh, uh, thing like evolution, that if it were true, we have people with three arms, three legs, four arms, four legs, four eyes, and things.